When we experience confusing or chaotic times in our lives, it can open ourselves up to newer perspectives in a quest toward understanding and ultimately acceptance. Some of us may feel that none of the available narratives fit what we are feeling and experiencing on a subtle energy level and thus seek alternative views which we are here to provide, one based on the perspective of finding that overall energetic wellness for ourselves and everyone else's higher good as well. And that is what we are offering in this episode, another perspective into the energies around the protests and civil unrest of 2020. If you find that you resonate with the information in this episode, please join us on the Sunday evenings follow this episode's release for a live Q&A session on Zoom, Facebook, and YouTube starring Alexander and myself. You can also connect with us on social media, leave us a rating and review on iTunes, and there's always the option to join our patron account and support us monetarily for $5 a month while receiving access to our behind-the-scenes content and an episode shout-out. You can do that by going to wise-wise.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you so much for listening. So much gratitude out to you guys in these very, very, very interesting times. And with that, let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness conscious communication and emotional responsibility though we wouldn't be able to tell because we're sitting here in our studio on cushions <laughs> we're actually uh, trying out a new a new perspective of doing the podcast sitting on the floor and it seems to feel pretty comfy right now. Mm-hmm. But while we enjoy this, this piece and this opportunity to uh, share thoughts and, and perspectives with people, there is a lot of turmoil and chaos going on in the world and a lot of confusion, a lot of ideas being challenged. And we wanted to, again, bring this into our discussion and look into it a little more on on what exactly is going on and what can we learn from this current day experience that we're all experiencing, whether we are participating in these protests or sitting back and just watching, observing. Yeah, and there are many different variables of inclusion uh, when times like this is going on, and... Um I think it's important to uh, to see all those different levels and some of the you know reactions are that the young people's going through lots of anger and and releasing that uh, in many different ways and then other people that's trying to make effective change and I think today we're going to just discuss maybe how some of these changes can be more effective and then how each individual can use times like this uh, to actually benefit 
each individual and how to be in something but not of it, to be involved with something but not allowing it to just overwhelm you and and tear you down or send you into a downward spiral. And, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are experiencing that spiral and it kind of seems like every time it lets up, uh, something new drops in. And this seems, of course, to be the intention of the media. And, um, and so we want to be aware of that. Uh, they certainly feed on on the emotional reactions of people. And you keep people upset. And it keeps them from coming together and becoming more powerful. So, so that's why, you know, emotional processing and management is such a big part of the Just Philosophy and so I think this is an episode that is going to be very useful in these times. And it is it is sort of an ongoing process to stay out of that because I know I try as much as possible to be conscious with whatever information that I'm taking in. And every so often I get caught up in it and it takes me like a day to realize all the emotion and energy I'm putting into it. And the next day usually I'm able to look at how it has affected my energy overall and then I make adjustments to detach my hooks from Mm -hmm. that you know that sort of either information or an outcome or any just an emotional position put into what's going on in the world and and you know and some people and this could be the case I'm not sure with yourself but some people feed on the adrenaline of it uh, feed on you know, having a a say, having something to to stand for, so to say, and not that everyone enjoys uh, arguing or debating, but this can it can be very stimulating. The thing is, is that when you when you stimulate emotionally, it drains energy, and many people don't see that. That it's kind of like a quick fix. You get. You almost feel more alive, and that's what like pulls people into these emotional things because it makes you just feel and you get more passionate. But then the more and more you work on your subtle energy field, you begin to realize that it takes days to get over that. Many people aren't aware of the accumulation of all of this stress and emotions that that people are going through and the effects that it truly has on the physical body cumulative. How long would you say that you've been like really aware of how when you get emotionally charged, how it truly affects you kind of on that energetic level? Maybe a couple of years. Yeah. And, and would you say that just the deeper and deeper you get into this work, the more sensitive or the more that it affects you? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and the more, I'm learning to uh, be in the now, learning to position myself into that because you have to be, you, you can't have any of that heaviness in your chest mm-hmm. to be light enough to to connect to that. So I can judge where I am by seeing if I can even get there. Yeah, you know, how long it takes to get there. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, that's just important for for people to hear because I work with so many people that as they are getting better as they're healing, as they're becoming more so-called conscious or intentional in their life, uh, they can seem to get uh, more fragile. And and that's it's not actually the case. It just means that you're cleaning out your, your physical body, you're cleaning out the energetic bodies, 
and you become more sensitive that as soon as something starts to get off, you want to correct it more quickly rather than letting it go for days and days and days and days. So, you know, most people out there, uh, how they're feeling is at their, at their core level is really like just a series of these emotional oscillations throughout life and why uh, there can be a big emptiness that many people will experience because it's really a detachment to go on at that level, to carry high levels of stress and be in high levels of emotion. You have to be detached, and it, and it has an, an cumulative uh, effects, drastic, and, and that's where most uh, disease and, uh, stems from. So I wanted to bring up the possible reason why most people like myself fall into that trap of of allowing that information to kind of overwhelm us and but we're we're attached to it. I would say at the core it's because we care. And so yeah. I wanted to get in just get into caring briefly. Yeah, I think that's that is important and there's a wonderful saying that that came to me many many years ago and it drastically affected a elderly woman that was in my class and she just broke down and cried and said that it helped her so much. But we do have to remember that our level of suffering does not equate our level of caring. And our culture is very guilty of this, that if we're doing for someone else, but we're just like at our, on our last leg, then people goes, man, you're a good person. I question that. It's so ironic. <laughs> you're, you're depleting yourself, you know, and... Uh, we can always be a better service for others when we're not depleted. So, so I think that, that, that caring, as soon as somebody sees and recognizes that, we can possibly accept that we've all been trained to care for others before caring for ourselves. And caring for ourselves isn't a selfish thing like that's kind of been taught in our culture. It is so that you can care more wisely and for longer periods of time for everyone around you. But self-care is so important. And so as soon as we recognize we care, I'd like for people to ask yourselves, how much do you truly care about yourself? What kind of food are you eating? How much movement are you getting? What are your thoughts around? And so, so shifting some of that external care to internal care can go a long way and that's just an introduction of kind of the path we're going to go with this episode. Yeah, the first time I heard you share that story with me was probably a couple of years ago and I, and I had to work on that cuz every time that would come up in my head, I I would have a voice that would tell me almost like make me feel guilty if mm -hmm. I didn't put energy into caring or showing that I cared about something. And I had to constantly battle that and just, you know, redirect that energy over right. time. And, and, and I don't want people to take it as you stop caring or you become uncaring. It's just more of that you're, you're doing what you can do and you're clear in where your points are to where it starts to become a real drain on you. And when you, aren't able to replenish faster than you're draining, then you need to make an adjustment in your level of service. Or you're going to deplete yourself and not be as good a service to the other people around you as you want to be or possibly think that you are. So that's where I think we're going to touch in on, you know, that we're looking for 
examples at this time and people rather than so many teachers, so to say. And, and so we're going to uh, kind of be dancing around with a few different subjects, but bringing them all together today. I did want to share an example of, of what we're talking about with the caring. Like, I love cats. And when I moved to rural Virginia, these cats would suddenly show up on my doorstep. And I had never been exposed to, like, cats just showing up. So <laughs> it, was, it was very awesome for me that this was happening. And so I would, I would try my best to take care of them. And after four or five, and them finding me on streets and me taking them home, I started to realize that there was a cost and that it started becoming an overwhelming thing to always care and take on the responsibility of caring for the cats that would find me. Yes. And, you know, we've had several conversations about this, but it has allowed me to understand that I can't possibly have the energy to take care of every cat that's in need. Right. So I, I can only look at what I can manage energetically within my current state and my current situation. And to look at how much energy do I want to give towards, towards you know, finding and taking care of cats. Yes, and something that I'd like to suggest here is there's a beauty in cycles. You know, I happen to follow the cycles so much in my life. The, the Destiny card system that we work with focuses on the cycles, and even the human design uh, has cycles in it as well. And our traumas come up in, in cycles. So when we are so passionate about something, and I know how passionate you are about taking care of the cats, and like you said, when you were carrying that energy, there was never a, a lack of cats showing up, was it? Wasn't no, it pretty no. consistent? Yeah. <laughs> because you're putting that energy out there, and it's beautiful, and we need those people to do that. But as soon as we start to see it depleting or we've reached our limit, we shouldn't experience any judgment or guilt on ourselves because we can relinquish the energy of that and allow somebody else to do it. And then once you get like things back under control, it might take a few months, it might take a few years, and you want to give energy back to that again. So you can always be part of the cause, but sometimes we need to step out of the cause and allow others to pick it up. And that stepping in and out can be healthy but what I see most of the time is people that go above and beyond, they reach burnout, and then many times they don't go back to, uh, you know, to do it at that level of service anymore. And, and that's okay, too. There's no judgment with that. But if we could get used to, I would like to see, you know, most jobs out here to be on a rotation of every seven years, that, that you change positions at whatever job you're at, at minimally every seven years that you shift. Because once again, that seven-year cycle is how long it takes every cell in the body to completely regenerate, and it's like a new life. And I happen to feel that when we go beyond that time frame is when deterioration starts to happen. And so I think that that is a good check-in point for, for you people out there is whatever you're doing, ask yourself, have you been doing this for seven years or more? If it is over seven years, then consider some type of break. If it's getting near seven years, then consider some type of break. Because remember, repetition wears down the physical body. It wears down the conscious mind and activates the subconscious mind. And all of that is creating detachment. We're still part of this world, but it's more of like an automaton action. 
So, uh, so that's why we want to, you know, bring creativity into our life, uh, different perceptions, work on this internal growth, because that's what keeps us plugged in uh, to what's important and to being grounded uh, while we're here on this earth plane. All right. So I wanted to bring in what's currently happening happening nowadays with the the protesters again. Mm-hmm. And so in the last episode, we discussed how judgment is playing a role and how we can affect change within society. But I wanted to take a look at the other side of that and the protesters and what energies they are exemplifying in their protests. Right. You know, are they standing in their power? Um, is there any wishy-washy energy coming from them? Because as an observer, we can, even though we don't, we may not see it visually or understand it, but we can sense whether somebody is standing in their power and exemplifying with every action um, what they're saying or whether it's kind of questionable. Right. And so with what's going on now, we have seen protests and we've also seen riots and we've been told not to, you know, put those two together. But I'm sure in some instances, the protesters have denounced the riots, Mm -hmm. but in some, they haven't. And so it is, it is very confusing for an observer to, to understand, are they together? Are they not? Um, do the protesters stand for that type of behavior? Because it is the destruction of like our own neighborhoods. Yeah. Well, I think that it's been proven now that it's been going on long enough that there is a division, that there is a almost a misunderstanding of what is the cause truly here about. I think now some people are backing up and looking at this at a little bit of a different view and seeing that yeah, we all come together for this cause, but then we realize that we have different ways that we want to go about moving this cause forward. And some people wants to continue like peacefully, and some people are saying, no, we've been doing it peacefully, and that's not working. We need to show aggression. And see, it's hard for the cause, to the true cause, to really grab any traction because the, the cause isn't on the same team. Uh, they're like divided. And... You know, and we're going to, you know, pull all of this down into, you know, what I happen to feel is a reflection of how we are as individuals. Uh, all, all of this external of exemplifying, you know, where we're at as a mass culture kind of individually. And we want to utilize that to, to, to grow. So, you know, what I want to make as a point here is, yes, demonstration and how you demonstrate and what you attract, what kind of judgment, what kind of assessment, what kind of approval, because how you are sharing your message has an effect. One way or another, it has an effect. And so something that I would like to give just a perspective on here is as similar to how Gandhi operated in helping India get freed from slavery, the protest was, we are not going to participate in what you are asking us to do, but we are not going to show any aggression. They had to go through aggression coming at them, but nobody reacted back. And it got seen by everybody how they were being treated. And this, if these protests were happening similarly to where people were sitting down in a very peaceful state, then if there were other groups that were coming in to uh, sabotage 
these, they would be able to be seen very easily. And I do happen to feel more than likely there is some of that happening. You know, there are looters and and people breaking things and destroying things of all races. So the main thing about that is if we want to affect change, then it is how we're sending the message. So I want to give an example to help people with their uh, perception of this and to possibly take into practice. That Say you're in a restaurant and you happen to hear someone, say a male, talk down to a female. I don't care what the races are, and it doesn't matter even if the genders are like this, but this is just for the story. But you hear them, whether it's talking racist or talking down or belittling or whatever that is. Our action in our culture is to, if we're going to take a side, we normally attack the aggressor, so to say. And what I would like to suggest is that you merely stand up beside the person that is being so-called attacked and merely say, I'm with you. And then hopefully others would hear that and they could still, from where they're sitting, they could just simply say, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And what this does is it shows support to the underdog or the judged or the ridiculed or whatever, And there needs not be any aggression toward the perpetrator, so to say. Because follow me with this. How many of you have ever changed your mind when somebody with a different view is yelling at you, telling you that you're wrong and that you need to have their view? I don't think many people have that experience. But this is what we do to try to affect change most of the time. But if in that situation, 10 people stand up or just say, I'm with you, this accuser knows that they're in the minority right away. When they choose to leave, and that's their option, because we're just showing strength in numbers. We're not forcing, we're not even suggesting to leave. And we should be okay whether they leave or not because this person knows that they have support there. They should feel safe. But if that person leaves, I almost guarantee you that in that scenario, they will be forced to look at what they just said and what they just did because there was no attack. Therefore, there was no defense mechanisms that come up to justify the actions So see, when somebody comes at us with negative emotions, if we retaliate back with a negative emotion, we justify their actions. But if we choose to not take on that emotion, if we choose to not allow it to trigger our own emotions and not challenge it, just not participate, it forces that person to look at what they just said or just did And that is what is likely for them to change their actions because they can feel like they're doing it on their own, not because somebody told them to do it. So that's what I would like to suggest here is that we look at how can we show support rather than attack? Because if you show enough support, almost all challengers will back down. You don't need to attack. 
just as a suggestion. And I think it comes into what is your intention or what, what do you, or what would you like for that other person who's being the quote attacker um, or the initial person? What would you like to see? Do you want to see them change or do you just want to like get your word out? And I think it's very important to boil it down. Like, do you authentically want to see that person change? And if that's true, then you would want to do and look at your behavior and what is the optimal chance of that happening. Yes. And, and, and that is the decision. Are you just looking to make a point or do you truly want that, that change? Because see, if you're looking to make a point, you're into competition and there's always going to be competition. You're not going to run out of that. But if you're looking to actually affect change, then you do carry consideration with how you deliver the message. Once again, I don't want this to just be seen as weak passivism. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about doing nothing. I'm talking about doing. But managing your emotions and your energy while you're doing it. And it's not going to do very much good if you just go and sit, but you're carrying all the anger. The point is, is that if you truly want change, then it's going to come through communication and through uh, uniting. Any change that is forced does not last. It just replaces itself over and over and over. And we can look through the history books and see how the world powers have just moved all around. And it continues to move. But there's always going to be those world powers and there's always going to be so-called people getting picked on. And we can manage that in our environment by showing support rather than looking at it as an opposition or something that has to be fixed. But to actually... Give that person an opportunity to see for themselves what they just did or said was wrong or needs to be worked on. They're not often going to change when they're told that they're wrong and that needs to be worked on. So the example that you brought up is is very similar to what occurred during the Me Too movement, and I'm sure you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. where people on social media showed their support for the victim in these um, sexual abuse attacks. Right. But I did want to bring up how maybe they went a step too far and where they called for these people to lose their jobs. And I wanted to ask you, do you feel like that is justified in that instance, the, the calling of people to get fired over maybe one thing that they said even? Because I could see that with a person losing their job because of something, is that going to change them? Because then they're going to be angry at all these people that get them to lose. Their, I mean, obviously, yes. if, if they're not taking responsibility for what they did. Yes, and this this just comes down to whether somebody's looking for punishment, or they looking or they're looking to help the person change. Because I agree with you. Yeah, making somebody lose their job and go into financial distress isn't likely to make them see things your way, uh, even if they were leaning that way. And, and that's, a, that's a competition view. But if you see that, you know, they, uh, there's, you know, there's many reasons. And, of course, this, the point of view that I'm typically sharing from the just philosophy view 
is about a wellness, an overall wellness view, and how to affect change out here in this world without completely deteriorating part of yourself or part of someone else. And so once again, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. People have gotten so emotional and they've been going at it like wide open here for two or three weeks. But see, people starting to get tired already. And this is a cause that if you truly want to affect change, then you stick with it for years. You stick, you keep the pressure on the cause consistent. And once again, in our culture, Many times it blows up in the beginning and then it dwindles like very, very quickly. And this is what the media uses certain stories to activate uh, the public again. And, and so, so there will be something right around the corner because uh, this is starting to dissipate, but there's still a lot of change that's needed. And so we'll see how many of these people truly stick with what it, how long it takes to affect true, deep change, lasting change, and whether they will still uh, be around to be supportive in that way. Or, you know, a lot of people, uh, we will just see how it plays out. You know, there's the, the possibility of the second wave of, of this virus coming around. I've already shared that I happen to feel that the people that are most subject to it is carrying grief in their lungs. And just just hypothetically, you know, imagine how much grief is being stirred up right now in everything that's going on. So this is a time where I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that I'm wrong, but there is more than likely going to be a cost to all of this rush of emotions and the exhaustion that people are coming into right now after two or three weeks of, of being very intensely plugged in after, you know, already being depleted from being worried over the whole coronavirus thing. So, see, people need to understand that this has been a deterioration of most people's immune systems now for three going on four months. So take that into consideration from an energetic standpoint uh, as we go into the summer and the fall that's coming up. So let's go back to what you wanted to get into before, but then we kind of sidetracked, which is getting into like the microcosm of becoming somebody who's able to exemplify what they believe and becoming that that exemplification of of holding the energy to affect change. Yes, and this is, you know, uh, this is a huge subject, and I feel like it's a very important subject because we have so many people in our culture that uh, want to share information. But many people that share information, even some professors and teachers in our universities and schools, don't practice or haven't practiced what they teach and they've just learned it and or read it, taken a weekend class. Uh, so there's a lot of that spreading of information from, from those that hadn't truly processed the work. And that limits how much people receive. So, you know, with, with bringing this back to everything that's going on out in the world Pay attention to how everything makes you so-called feel. 
I want to say that it's really making you emote. But for right now, for lack of explanation, we're just going to say how events are making you feel. And if that feeling is anger, if that feeling is sad, if that feeling is worry, if it's some of all of them, then really turn it inside and ask yourself, where do you carry these vibrations? Where do you carry these emotions in your own world, about yourself, about loved ones, about people that are close to you? Because that's what it's giving you an opportunity to resolve. The external shows us what we're carrying that we need to release. And as we release the past, we're able to see the present more clearly and from a much wider perspective. Some would call that more conscious perspective or more intent or intentional perspective. So if we take that everything that's going on, all the looting, the, the aggressive protesting, some peaceful protesting too. See, there's a mix of all of it as we talk about polarity on this podcast uh, consistently. That when you have one view show up, you're going to have the, other, the opposite show up. You're going to have opposite energy show up. The more aggressive you are with your energy, the more aggressive the retaliation is going to show up as well. So that's why aggression really isn't necessary to affect change. It's about the consistency of the energy. And see, any aggressive energy gets tired eventually. It has to take a time out. But a slow, steady, consistent energy doesn't have to take those timeouts. And that's what's really going to affect the change. So as we look at this external being an example of, say, the family unit, once again, we have some good, so-called good families that handle their stuff properly, and then we have some that are out of control. The kids are out of control, throwing temper tantrums, getting in trouble all the time. Then we take that down from the family unit down to the two partners and look at where they're at with all of that. Where are they at, you know, with each other? Where are they at individually with issues like hatred and worry and sadness and all of this? So how are they communicating all of that between those two? And then you break that down to each individual and that each individual has a masculine side and a feminine side. See, we've gone polarity so many different levels, even just using the masculine and the feminine, but we're talking energies, we're not talking genders. So however the events of present day is affecting you and triggering you to emote is a good signal once again about the work that you have that is ready to be worked on and released we call it emotional processing in this philosophy and forgiveness is a big part of this and what helps in this direction through the philosophy is being able to see everyone as your teacher or every situation as your teacher and this is one of our five pillars that everyone and every situation can be your teacher. There can be a lesson in every situation to learn. Some people say, well, no, some, some things are just accidental. No, in any situation, you can choose to learn something. And you learn through what you have friction with, what you want to resist. These are the messages. So 
So I think that that's very important and very useful right now to really take the time to, however all of these issues have triggered you emotionally, to take the time to just ask yourself inside, where do I feel about myself like I feel toward these looters? If you're, if you're carrying anger toward these looters that they're getting stuff that they don't pay for, that this isn't fair, you're judging it, then look inside where you don't feel like you're being fair to yourself. Or look inside to where you feel like you're truly not being fair to someone. These are all the messages that's being given. And when we resolve that internal issue, as I said, your perception will change, but not only your perception, the actions of other people around you will change. This is how we interact energetically and we attract lessons in. We attract people to play roles. We play roles in people's lives. And one of the main points of this whole philosophy is the art of learning role play in this earthly walk. And because we are energetic beings and everything is energy, we're constantly pulling each other into certain situations. And I like to look at consciousness or living life intentional is that you get to choose the roles more optimally and you get to be affected by people that are out here playing unconscious roles less. So, uh, so I think this is a good point of taking a microcosm or something that is external and breaking it down to a very individual uh, situation to work on, to develop, to grow. And you can use any external situation in this way. This is just the internal work. And it's a way of changing your perceptions through your own experience rather than the limitations the way you have been taught and trained by your parents, by your family, by your school system, by your neighborhood. So see, most people will defend their views but they're defending views that they've been taught, not necessarily views that they truly have lived and, and looked at many different perspectives and chosen for themselves. I asked my brother one time, I said, do you know why you drive a Ford truck? He said, why? I said, because your daddy drove a Ford truck. Do you know why you have an international tractor? Because your daddy had an international tractor. Do you know why you're a Republican? Because your daddy's a Republican. So how much true free will was it in any of that? But he will defend that that's who he is. He'll defend that to the to the till his last breath. And see, anytime you need to defend, that's worth looking at. It shows that you're not truly comfortable with who you are or that subject that you're discussing. I can see somebody uh, arguing with you like, well, while hearing that, like, I know who I am. <laughs> and yeah, then that just, exactly. just makes yeah. the point. <laughs> I'm not mad. Quit telling me I'm mad. <laughs> that's, I used uh, to do that. You know, that, that <laughs> reaction. And so that's why many times people give us the answers that we're looking for um, in ways that they don't realize. And uh, that's part of this, you know, walk to to see things a little bit deeper than they are on the surface. So to somebody who doesn't understand how the external is a flashlight for the internal. The way I understand it is that if somebody or if somebody or myself, if I'm getting emotionally triggered by something I'm experiencing or something that's happening external for me, that 
means that I'm uncomfortable with that for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I need to go internal and look at that and, and realize why and, and, and heal that part of me. Just ask that question. I think this is important. Sorry to cut you off. Mm-hmm. But, but the question of why am I allowing this to affect yep. me this way? And normally the answer to why is it's connected to similar experiences earlier in life. It, because if, if I didn't have a problem with that, then I wouldn't even be affected by it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know that it would bother me. So, right. so we, we only react to the things that trigger we're us. Clear, we're clear of, yes. Because even if somebody you know, has a strong different opinion in you, it's, it's similar to an analogy that I just shared yesterday of you know, if, if you like a sports team and one of your friends likes another sports team, you may even get together and watch the game and pick on each other, but you're still friends. And that's what everything can kind of be viewed as, as, oh, we have different views, so we're just on a different team. It doesn't have to be taken so personal. And I think that's very important that although these are important issues, it's going to take time to resolve it. People change their minds with sometimes with proper information and time and a lack of pressure, a feeling like they have to change. People are going to change their perception when they don't feel any pressure to. When they feel pressure to, see, they may change it uh, appearance-wise, but that don't mean that they really changed how they look at it. And there's a lot of that going on now, that people are, you know, fear will make people, you know, say and do almost anything. So even though it looks like there's, you know, a lot of people so-called waking up or changing perceptions, just be careful with that because, you know, uh, people can change like the weather can. So, and know that any, any change that's really going to stick is going to take some time and it takes effort and it's not just a decision that's made. Let's actually get into some of that talking about the division that is happening and I feel like the extremes are getting wider, farther apart, and you're, there's a pressure that, that we need to choose. We need to choose either one extreme or the other, and you know the, the middle ground is starting to become bare. And this is happening on social media, in our families, where people aren't talking to family members anymore because they yeah. may hold one of the opposing extremes. And so how can we how can we maintain these relationships and not have to unfriend people and never talk to them again because of like, you know, if, if they're posting something that's, that's, you know, the opposing view of you and, right. and, and how do we work internal with that, with those types of things? Well, it's taking, you know, uh, anybody that follows teachings, you know, even of Jesus, uh, where it was love thy neighbor and don't judge. You know, we can go from that perspective. Uh, we can go from the non-attachment perspective from Buddhism. We can utilize the non-preference perspective of the just philosophy here. We can use that analogy of the sports team. We can use don't take things personally from the four agreements, possibly. See, there's many different avenues It's just whether a person is willing to utilize that or not, because the fact of the matter is, is that, yes, if you want to affect change, you are you going to have to show this person that their view 
is accepted. Now, once again, acceptance does not mean condoning. See, I have seen that in working with young people in my uh, consulting work, I worked with a 12-year-old earlier this week, and I've worked with him before, and he's gone to traditional counseling as well. But uh, he's very protective. And the way that, that I got him to open up to me was a willingness to get on his level. And in, in physics or in sound th- therapy or the way that frequencies work is that you meet a frequency or person where they're at, and then you slowly change them in a way that they don't even realize it. And the less that they realize that they're changing, the faster that it goes. So that doesn't mean that, once again, you have to agree with them. But if somebody has a completely different view than me, first of all, if I can't accept their view, then I'm not comfortable with my view more than likely. Because if I'm comfortable with my view, then this person should be able to say anything in this world and I'm not threatened in any way. But the key is when we show someone how to listen or that we're willing to listen to their view, especially if they know that you have a different view, you're showing them by example how to just listen. And I'll listen to you if you will listen to me. Because if you're truly comfortable in your view, my view is so clear that if I can just get you to hear me. So I'm willing to hear you because I don't feel that my view is going to be threatened. And this is the way that we can break some of these barriers. And it's not always a tit for tat, so to say. Sometimes you may need to show that person that you're going to listen to their view five times, 10 times, 15 times. Each situation or each person is going to be different. But if you pay attention, you will know because you will see a change in them and you know when somebody is receptive to you and when somebody is defensive. That is pretty easy for most people to even sense. You will feel a shift. And then, especially if they ask you a question about your view, you know, once then, don't come in like a bulldozer. Just give them just a little bit. And still maybe even recognize that their view is valid too. See, that's beginning to build trust. And people change in a trusting environment much, much faster than they change in a challenging, competitive environment. So in being that example, we need more examples and less teachers, less talkers. We need the examples And the examples do what is most challenging. They set the example. They set the bar. So look at sometimes if you really want someone to listen to you and your view, then practice that by listening to other people's views that you don't necessarily agree with and don't allow it to get you emotional in any way. That's the practice. That's the practice. And as soon as you start to get emotional, remove yourself from that situation. See, it's a it's a gradual thing. So so I have certain people in my family that that I put time limits on that. Hey, I'm going to give this about 15 minutes. But see, I can always expand it. 
But if I get to 15 minutes and the energy's good, then I just expand it. If I don't, then I've already set up a reason of possibly why I need to go to another part of the gathering or need to leave or something like that because I want to stay in a loving vibration. That's the key. And sometimes in order to stay loving, we need to remove ourselves from the person or the situation before you get too negatively emotional. Which is about caring for ourselves. It's about caring. So rather than getting sucked into that feeling alive or feeling charged because what you're saying is is aggravating me more and more. As soon as you start to feel that aggravation, yeah, the most loving thing that you can do is remove your energy because friction is being created. So there's an opportunity for growth if you pull away now. Both parties can go away. They felt the friction, but it didn't go too far. If it stays in friction and both parties stay on their uh, their stiff sides, then neither one's really going to be willing to look at the other one's perspective. So this is really breaking down to whether you are looking to prove a point or you're looking to truly help and make effective change that's truly going to last. And one of the ways I practice listening, because when you're talking with somebody who has the opposing view of you, I know from my perspective, usually it's it's a view that I've heard over and over and over. So I already know what they're going to say before they say it. Mm-hmm. But the game that I play, I call it a game, but what I do is I try to understand that person and why they believe what they're telling me. Try to get to like the root, like is it a fear? Is it, you know, something that happened in their life? Like asking them questions to get because one it it shows that I'm listening. Because I'm asking questions about their childhood or, or about them as a person and not only listening to them say, you know, just stuff that they've heard and regurgitating, but also I'm learning about them and I'm understanding them and I'm seeing them as a human. Mm-hmm. And I'm no longer, it's no longer about, oh, you're just a face that believes something that I don't. You know, right. I'm seeing them as a person. And when you do that, you create like this bond and then you never look at them the same way again. You don't judge them or, or it's probably less judgment if you do mm-hmm. because it's no longer oh that person believes that it's oh this person has feelings just like i do and right. this is why i can see why now they believe this yes and and asking those questions can be very informative and like you said help to increase that connection uh, that understanding uh, and sometimes uh, just be delicate out there with questions because some people can take offense pretty quickly the amount you engage is constantly checking in to how they are receiving. And as long as they're receiving, it's beautiful. But as soon as you start to feel a wall go up or resistance, and I like to suggest that people pay attention to the other person's face and you can watch eyebrows. And normally when eyebrows go down, they're resisting something. When they're up and relaxed, it means that they're receiving so this is a way that you can, uh, you can notice right away in someone when they stop receiving is their eyebrows will sometimes just twitch down. And it just shows that they kind of, they've backed up and they're looking at something that was just said. And that's a detachment from the communication. So it may be worth even just pausing or, you know, redirecting the subject at that point. So as we come to the close of this episode, I wanted to circle back and 
and get into ex- the exemplifying energy and how an individual, whether they want, they want to apply this to what they believe and maybe, you know, into a protest or just on a daily life experience, how or what can we give them to look inward at themselves and ask themselves, you know, where am I not exemplifying what I believe or what I want to exert? And then how can, how can they start building that up? Well, I think, uh, one place to start is just the more so-called passionate or the more driven you are to prove a point, to pay attention that that's probably a good gauge of how much you need to look at this particular subject. The more charged you are, probably the more work there is to do around it. And to also, you know, utilize that in a way to break it down as basic as possible. Um, to get it down to an emotion that you can, you can really accept that you do carry. And then you go back and look at uh, similar situations that have happened in your life where other people have played this role. And you may begin to see that it's been just an ongoing pattern throughout your life. And this is happens all the time in the subconscious realm. You know, the way to break that is to become, of course, aware that you have this, uh, we'll call it a sensitivity. And normally that sensitivity means that there's some forgiveness that needs to happen somewhere. There's blame, there's guilt. Um, so the blame and the guilt and the forgiveness has to be approached before that pattern can be can be broken. In the just philosophy, we break it down into the roles that people are playing and being able to take the blame away from the role player and see that makes it not personal. And when you can step out of the personal, now the ego is not involved. You can move forward so much faster. And so once you take the ego out and you see that, hey, this is an ongoing energy that I'm attracting in. And these people are just playing these roles for me to learn to respond in a different way. And then the next time that somebody says or does something to make that emotion come up, you want to learn to, first of all, just breathe So I like to suggest to people to start to train yourself before you respond to anything, giving a statement or asking a question, that you learn to take a breath first. Because what that does is it starts to train the subconscious to not just react. That we're going to take a breath and we're going to decide how we respond. That becomes an initial training in this. And I think this would be good to go into a deeper level in a, in its own episode. But you get used to that pause, and in that pause, that's where you can redirect the energy, the response, instead of a reaction. And so I think right now that's a, that's a good place for people to start because that could be weeks or months or even years of work just getting to that point. But we just keep going more and more step by step of how to process all of this. And um, so I look forward to maybe picking this up on a, a full podcast. Yeah, and if somebody wants to check out, we do have an episode on the three R's. I think it's called An Important Tool in Self-Development, the three R's. And that's recognize, show respect, and then redirect. And I think that was... The energy, the person, the conversation. In the 30s episodes, numbers, if they uh, are looking on iTunes. Um, So that sound that you might have heard 
was a tuning fork. I know we've been trying to incorporate a bell or a bowl uh, for me to ring or ding every time Alexander says something that I, I want to um, eat, well, accentuate. Yeah, or or respond to and not forget. So hopefully the mics pick that up and people aren't hearing some weird noise and they're <laughs> trying to figure out if a UFO is landing above them. So uh, you were talking about um, removing the the personal uh, when somebody is seeing somebody and in the duality with them. And I wanted to bring in a word that we haven't used but it applies to this whole conversation is taking responsibility for our energy. And, and even we can even go to taking responsibility for where we are as a society and a planet and a race of humans. And I know like some people are resistant to taking responsibility for something they haven't been around, you know, the entire time, but we can take responsibility for our role in it all. Right. Yeah. And our reactions to it. So, you know, another one of the pillars is emotional responsibility and accountability, that we are all responsible for our emotional reactions and understanding that our emotional reactions have been trained to us. Normally, the more emotional reactive somebody is, they have somebody in their life, like a mother or father or siblings or someone that, that trained them to react in that way. And so this is where more examples are needed to to show that when when those uh, emotions are just reacted upon they can be very very uh, dangerous and very harmful both externally and internally I, I know people that live so much in the external they can hear this and they can say you know that you're not focusing on the true problems but i'm talking about true long-term change and gandhi worked on his uh, trek for approximately 50 years, I believe that it was. It takes a long time to truly make lasting change. A lot of times what's happening in the world is one side is trying to elicit a an emotional reaction of the other. Like we can even bring in as example, the media, the media trying to stir the pot and, and showing the extremes, uh, you know, between all the channels and so if we take back our responsibility, our power, our emotion, then we can no longer be controlled with our emotions. And then they have no power over us. That's right. And that's, that is the, you know, the external benefit of this work. There's an internal, there's healing, there's wellness, there's unity, there's intimacy. But on the external, it, it extends the same uh, external. But we have to learn to nurture it internal first. And then everywhere that we go, we put out a different vibration. And it's about the collective vibration, not just what is being said, but what's behind the words. That's the energy. And so uh, my role in part of this overall big movement is this emotional and energetic and mental management of everything that's going on. And some people may choose to see that I'm not doing anything. I'm not participating. And once again, that's okay if I'm comfortable with my role. Then I can stand there in a conversation with somebody saying that I'm not doing anything and that I'm not uh, helping and I'm part of the oppressor. I can be that sounding board for them to get that off of their chest if I'm very clear in who I am. Because that's not about me. 
It's really about their frustration with whatever they're struggling with. And it's that that competition view of wanting me to to either come over on their side or to stand in my my side to to give that friction to once again make somebody feel alive and unfortunately the emotions get in the way to to true feeling and um, it takes us further away from what people want to say is unconditional love or that that love vibration uh, that doesn't it doesn't carry this competitive duality type views it's a an acceptance of polarity once again acceptance does not mean approving or condoning of uh it's just that if you have resistance once again then whoever's challenging you is just showing you you're not as clear in your view as you think you are because if they can make you emotionally reactive you're not clear and i guess we can maybe close with this the more you do the internal work the less you need the external to be any different than what it is right yeah and that doesn't mean that um you don't see things that need to be changed. It just means that you do accept there's a divine order and that if I just keep on chopping my wood and carrying my water every day and expanding my frequency and my vibration and influencing people around me in a way that I do feel is beneficial, then I'm doing my role. And there are people on the opposite side that are doing the same things with the same type of intentions but but going in a different direction. I just choose that that those people are going to be there. I'm not going to fight them. I'm just going to continue chopping my wood and carrying my water because darkness flees light. The light doesn't have to do much at all, but just stand and and shine your light. That doesn't mean you shine it to where it blinds them. You don't need to encase all of these negative or hatred-type people with love. Just hold the love within your own vibration. (laughs) Just hold that love and don't let whatever they say or do diminish your love. Once again, that's about holding it internally, and that's what continues the ripples out. Yeah, and I I wanted did want to clarify that when you did when you did say being the light, and I'm glad you brought in that love thing because I think I know um, the perspective maybe that maybe that's just like love over you know loving a person and like putting your love on that person, but really it's just holding firm, almost like exemplifying in a yes, way. Yes, yes. And, it, you know, it's the, you know, when a storm comes, the trees outside don't, uh, they're not fighting the storm. They're really seeing how to work with it till it passes. And and this is uh, similar to how change happens out there is, is you don't always have to create a confrontation. Just stand strong like a tree. It's rooted but it's flexible too. And, and that's the view of when you know who you are and you're clear on how you really feel about something, that's the roots. And then you can be part of any conversation, and that's the wind of the storm. You're flexible in the conversation. You don't attach on to that because you're solid in your roots. If you're not solid in your roots, then think whoever it is that's making you emotionally reactive because they're your best teacher. Lean into the friction, beautiful people. Man, I am down with that metaphor. Be the tree. And for now, welcome to our three minutes of stillness. Enjoy.
notice the sycamore swaying and free. No worries at all, just a tree. From this sapling, a lesson it lends. Self-fulfillment and growth within. No ego to feed or emotions to ride. Not worried of judgments or concerned with pride. With these thoughts, humbly you try. For life as a sycamore, wisdom in time. So look out your window and look inside. Uncover your nature, the forest you hide. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n.
Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny car reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.